Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. John, I think we have a great show lineup for today, as usual. You know, we're going to start off talking about automation for success financially. Um, there are so many things in your life that you can automate nowadays with the Internet and with computers and technology that we have. And you have to use that for your advantage. You have to 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 set up the default in your financial life for success. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I think it's a great topic. Yeah, and it's very powerful, too. It is. You do that over a couple of decades. You see people people's 401ks that do that, and it... Um, really adds up and makes a big difference over time. And then we're going to transition into uh, talking about college financial mistakes. And this comes out of the Ramsey Solutions organization. A couple folks there have written a book. Um, it's uh, it's really good information. It's uh, you know talking about things that college graduates should not do. And um, you know if you have a high schooler out there or um, you know someone in college, this would be a great uh, topic to get them to listen to because it can change their lives. So we're exactly, gonna, we're and gonna... some of it's a little bit counterintuitive. So I think it's going to be a good topic. I'm looking forward to talking about that. Um, but by the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro with over 23 years experience in providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Investor Pro. I have an MBA in finance and also have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 25 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly podcast show. We are up every Friday afternoon. That's right. Check out our website, moneymd.net. We have a link to the podcast on there. Um, you can listen from the MoneyMD uh, website. We also have a whole bunch of tools, um, a lot of calculators, um, some good college major information out there, some links that we put out there. So go check out that. And uh, Facebook page, we put a post out there every week on uh, a video. And I think Matthew's doing it this week. So go check out Matthew. And uh, we also are tweeting pretty regularly now so now that matthew's taking over we're just all over the internet <clears throat> we so, are yeah you can find us anywhere and we would love to find you we'd love for you to email us and send us your questions we'd love to hear from you You can in- email us directly at info at moneymd.net well john we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week yes yeah, it comes from the federal reserve bank of st louis and Steve, there's you know one of the the key issues in the election this uh, two years ago was the uh, the stagnant wage growth, right? Um, yeah. Back in 1999, the uh, median household income was about sixty thousand, and um, you know sixteen almost seventeen years later, it was still sixty thousand. So there really had been no growth. Yeah, that's crazy that that the average household has been sitting there with with no income increases yeah. and they've been losing to inflation. That's right. Everything else has been increasing, but their income. Well, there's a new um, uh, income record in 2017. It was jumped up to 61,372. Not a you know huge increase, but it is. It, it looks like it's trending in the right direction. Yeah, at least they kept up with inflation. It was 1.7% increase. And, um, you know, that's a big deal given that we've been a decade and two, even almost two decades without any income increase. And that means if people have more money in their pocket, that's good for the economy. They'll be spending more money and it's also good for the stock market. So it's a very important stat and hopefully we can keep it going in that direction. So yeah, I agree. A, it's a great fact of the week. All right. And that leads up to our first topic here, and that is automation for financial success. Um, this is based on a U.S. News and World Report article very recently. Uh, Stacy Rapicon 
wrote this. And, uh, you know, though, John, I mean, people, when they think about their finances, um, they consider it, you know, very hard work. I mean, most people just kind of avoid Mm -hmm. the, the idea of working on their finances, right? But today, there are a myriad of online tools that are available to help. I mean, automating your finances today is easier than it's ever been. Technology has made a huge impact, and it will obviously only continue to get better. Um, so, you know, so who can benefit from the digital assistance when it comes to getting their finances in order? Pretty much everybody. Um, you can use a little bit extra time, right? It gives you a little bit extra, uh, uh, you know, you don't have to use as much energy to, mm-hmm. to manage your finances nowadays. So unless you're anti-technology, just about everybody should take advantage of automating their financial task, according to most planners. And it changes your behavior. It it mitigates the mistakes. Um, It is proven to put you in a default financial position to succeed. Yeah, and one of the keys to this financial success is, um, you know, developing good money habits, such as, you know, saving on a regular basis, always paying the bills on time, uh, make sure you have a diversified investment portfolio as well. And using automation really allows you to practice such good behaviors really without a second thought. You kind of put it on uh, on autopilot and it, it happens every single month and it, it can eliminate the stress and, and the time of thinking about saving or investing. And before you know it, you'll be well on your way to, to building wealth. Exactly. Yeah. But unfortunately, you know, setting all the financial tasks on autopilot still isn't for everyone. Um, as easy as it has become, um, you know, those just starting to manage their finances, they, you know, they, they should put in some grunt work and, of course, learn what's behind the ins and outs of their finances. And as you get more comfortable with things and, you know, you fully understand them, then you can begin to automate those tasks. Um, also, people who struggle with overspending may do more harm than good sometimes to automate too much. Um, you know, they need to be able to look at their their spending and see what's going out, you know, rather than just having it automatically be paid and automatic have all these automatic bills that are coming in and going out of their paycheck. Um, so if you kind of set it and forget it, you kind of run the risk of, you know, overdrafting your accounts or overspending, not really paying attention to where your money is going and incurring some fees and in some situations bringing down your credit score. But similarly, if your income is not is is not steady. You know, say you're on commissions, um, you're a gig worker and you rely on bonuses, commissions, that kind of stuff, then, you know, you have to kind of tread carefully as well because it doesn't preclude you from doing it, but it certainly does require some extra care to make sure that your automatic savings you're putting away is is, uh, conservative and the money will be there. And you won't put yourself in a crunch. Yeah. So really, no matter what your financial situation, your your best bet probably is starting off gradually. You know, even if you begin with simply uh, developing some small positive financial benefits, it can really make a big difference and encourage you to do more as you go through um, time. And, you know, saving just a few dollars here or, or there doesn't seem like a big deal. But when you add it up over time and you consider all of those small habits together, you know, the compa- compounding impact of them, suddenly you start to see... Uh, a really noticeable end result. And, um, you know, even saving $25 a month routinely will set the stage for you to save a lot more when you're in a better position and out of debt. So you just got to start, but start slow. Absolutely. But I love automation. I mean, I love these tools that are available nowadays. Heck, I even used to know a guy that would use bill pay 
to the florist to send his wife flowers automatically every birthday, Valentine's, <laughs> anniversary. He never had to make a phone call anymore. The floor, he had to deal with the florist, and the florist would just get the money and would pick out the flowers and send it, you know, and had all the dates lined up. Is that one turn. of those things I knew a guy that happens to be you? No, it wasn't me. <laughs> okay, I, w- right. I wish I could say I was that smart, but <laughs> I wasn't that smart. So therefore, you know, mine are a little hit and m- more hit and miss. Okay. That, you know, but. I mean, one thing I mean, about automating that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is like clockwork. You yeah, know, I like you, know, it. you know, if a florist like gets the money, they're going to send out some flowers you know <laughs> so uh but you know that could be a little bit overboard a little impersonal but at least his heart was in the right place and he was setting himself up for success in his relationship but when it comes to finances um here are four ways that you can use automation to set yourself up for success the first one is bill payments um this is kind of obvious but you know, we can all agree that paying bills is one of the financial chores that everybody should put on autopilot, especially when it comes to, um, you know, repaying your credit card balances or paying your, your utilities, things that you know you're going to have to pay every single month, particularly the things that don't change, like your mortgage payment. Um, you know, with interest rates being so high on credit cards, the last thing you want is to miss a payment and and get hit with a penalty plus interest. Of course, you know, we don't think you should, we think you should pay the balance of your credit cards Mm -hmm. every single month. Right. And avoid credit cards. Um, if, if possible, but you certainly don't want any late bills and late and missing, um, you know, credit card payments are a big negative mark on your credit score. So with your payment history counting for about 35% of your FICO score, that's the heaviest weighting of all the other criteria. So you got to make sure you pay all your bills on time. Of course, bill pay is the most common app for automating your bills. Uh, almost every bank offers it as part of your online account. Um, so you need to learn to use it for paying your bills. It is a powerful tool. Um, and But this, this kind of financial task of paying your bills is a common source for slip-ups. For example, you know, if your bill pay automatically, uh, you know, pays a bill that changes for any reason, um, you know, if there's a promotional price on your cable package, for instance, and that promotion lapses, then your, your you know, your bill is going to change and you may be paying the wrong amount. Having said that, it's it's always better to pay the wrong amount than not pay anything, <laughs> you know. So, so maybe you need to verify some of the payments every month. Make sure the right amount's going out. Maybe set it up so that it sends you a uh, sends you a text. Um, I love those where you mm-hmm. get a text, you know, that yeah. verifies something sure. went out of your checking account. Um, but have it automated. Um, but you may still need to check in periodically to ensure that everything's on track and you're making the necessary adjustments. Yeah, so the second one here on the list, in addition to the bill payments, is uh, transfer to savings accounts. You know, a major principle, really, in any successful financial plan is, is paying yourself first. Um, contribute, you know, automatically to your savings account each month, build that emergency fund up, and maybe put some money away for vacations or other financial goals really is the easiest way to do it. So do it an automated type transfer. And, um, you know, you'll likely want to automate contributions to your company's retirement plan. Most of them are already set up to do the 401ks, you know, pulling it out of your check. They deduct that monthly from your, um, that money from your income before it's added to your paycheck. And, 
it really helps to mitigate any sense of sacrifice that you may feel um, from saving since you were never in a position to spend it in the first place. And you can mimic that trick as well um, by scheduling automatic transfers from your checking account to your saving or investment accounts um, to happen you know, one day to, to one week after you get paid. Um, you know, and the money shows up in your, uh, in your checking account. So, you know, automatically doing saving goals um, is, a, is a great strategy as well. Exactly. And then, you know, to go along with that, you want to set up the, the transfers to your investment accounts, like your 401k and your retirement account, automatically every single month. Um, you know, putting every aspect of your retirement investing uh, moves on cruise control can be a particularly savvy strategy that sets you up for success long term, forces you to ignore the ups and downs of the market, um, eliminates the chance that you'll get emotionally involved and you'll react to the volatility that allows you to easily, you know, stick to your long term plan. Um, there's, you know, probably no place where the impact of automation is the greatest than with your retirement account. And when you automate your investment contributions, you're putting good behavior in place, letting compound interest kind of do its thing, compound returns, and you're just getting the heck out of the way and just letting it letting it drive you to success over 20 or 30 years. Um, what's even better, though, than setting up the automatic contributions is also setting up automatic increases. Many plans now offer this, and you're where your employer will automatically increase your contribution percentage by, say, 1% each year, for example, until you hit a certain percentage, like maybe 15%. So if you don't feel like you can afford to put 15% today in your 401k plan, how about start at 10% and have it automatically increase 1% a year where you don't have to think about it? You know, if you do nothing, as you're likely to do, people tend to put things mm -hmm. off forever, yeah, right? right. Um, it's automatically going to be there in five years. That's a terrific way to set yourself up for to default for success and to hit your retirement goals. The chances chances are you won't even notice this gradual increase, but it will make a huge difference down the road where you'll likely be contributing double the amount that you may start at, you know, in seven or eight years. So it's a very powerful tool. And then on, on top of automatically making contributions to your investment accounts, you can also set up automatic rebalancing. Um, that's a feature that's offered by investment advisors like us, of course. Um, we do that for you if you're working with us, but many brokerage firms um, for certain type of accounts. But for retirement accounts, a lot of 401k plans now have that built in where you can set up automatic rebalancing. That way you can avoid the risk and say that the stock portion of your portfolio is 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 overfed by the long-running bull market to date and you know that becomes inordinately large portion of your portfolio or you get loaded up on one asset class um, and then when the market takes a drop you you have a lot of volatility because of that so instead your account will maintain uh, your carefully constructed allocation and it will adjust that monthly or quarterly or annually and then your investing target date fund, um, for instance, if you have one of those, that's another good tool because it automatically does that, but it also makes it automatically more conservative 
as you get closer to retirement. So there's a lots of automation that can be done in your 401k plan. You want to make sure you take advantage of all those tools to set yourself up for success. Yeah, and so the final automation, um, you know, we've got the bill payments, the transfer to saving accounts, transfers to investment accounts. And the last one here is financial protections. And even if you're not comfortable setting up certain financial tasks, to, to occur automatically, you can still use technology to help arm yourself against money mistakes. For example, many many banks, including a lot of the national institutions, they'll offer alert services via email or text message if your account balance drops below a specific amount, um, or maybe there's suspicious activity is detected, or maybe other pro- problematic situations occur as well. So you can automate some protections on your accounts to give you some peace of mind. I tell you, John, I love those features. I use them on every bank account that I have. And, uh, you know, I, I just I just use them. I can see the daily balance. I can watch for fraud every time a check or a, a, a deposit or a distribution goes out that's above a certain limit that I set online. Um, it'll send me a text mm-hmm. and it'll tell me how much went out of my account. And I can verify, yep, you know, my credit card payment came out of my account or you know, you can see what it is, you know what it is, and if there's something out of order, you can log on and check it out and make sure that it's something that you set up. So that is a very powerful tool for protecting yourself against fraud and also just staying on top of your account, knowing what the balance is and knowing what's going on in your bank account. Um, you can also use a calendar app to help you remember when it's time to perform certain financial tasks for yourself you know, even if it's something that you can't necessarily automate, like, say, updating your 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 living trust every five years, um, you can automate pieces of it, like creating a calendar reminder that, it, that prompts you um, to tackle that task when it's due. So you can set things up even years down the road to pull up on your calendar to remind you to go do certain things. And I certainly use that in my work life. I'm sure you do, too. Mm-hmm where, you know, things come up, you know, a month or maybe even five months down the road. Um, so if you let automation help you simplify your life, ensure you stay on the right track, then you are much more likely to stick to a discipline strategy. Studies have shown that everyone gets complacent at times. So if you have set yourself up in your financial life to naturally stay on track, you're a lot more likely to succeed. So look for ways to simplify your life. Use technology to automate yourself for success today. That's the moral of the story here. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. Yeah, this question has to do with investing. It says, uh, I'm invested in 17 different mutual funds. Am I diversified? And and on the surface, it certainly looks like um, you'd be diversified. But what what we'll see, um, Steve, a lot of people come in and they'll have 10 funds or 17 or whatever. And a lot of them are invested in the same stock. So there's a report that we can run and it'll show, all right, of the 10 mutual funds you have, eight of them are owning the same stock. Well, that means you're kind of, you're very heavy in one asset class, right? Exactly. Like large U.S. stocks. So just because you have a lot of mutual funds does not mean that you're diversified. That's right. I love that report. I just used it yesterday, um, you know, with a client. And uh, yeah, it, it shows you, I mean, there were like 25 stocks they had. Or they owned them like six different ways or eight different ways in mm-hmm. some cases. Um, you know, and they're all the large U.S. stocks, Microsoft and Apple and, you know, all those big stock U.S. stocks. They owned them in almost all their funds. So they really weren't diversified, even though they own like 10 different mutual funds. 
So you have to look for that just because it has a different name, just because one has the word growth in it and one has the word blend or value or... Yeah, it doesn't knows, mean anything. It doesn't really mean anything. You have to look inside the fund. You have to make sure you're in different asset classes. And uh, you have to dig into that a little bit. You can't just assume on the surface that a lot of funds has you diversified. So a great question of the week. And that leads us up here to our next topic. And that is the uh, college financial mistakes. Yeah, this is done by the Ramsey Solutions Organization. There's a book that Anthony O'Neill and Rachel Cruz, who is uh, Dave's daughter, have put put out there. It's called the Graduate Survival Guide. It's um it's a great impactful gift um, for a graduating high school senior, or maybe you have uh, someone in college, and um, you know it's something that'll show the students how to succeed in college and avoid some of the money problems. Um, but it's not your typical how-to guide. You'll find, you know, some real-life college stories from uh, both Anthony and, and Rachel in there, and they'll offer tips to ensure that your high school graduate is uh, set to succeed in college and beyond. So, you know, high school graduates, they, they need to know how to succeed. There's not a lot of information out there being given to them other than, you know, get a credit card. So um, this one gentleman, his name is Anthony O'Neill. He um, he wants your, your high school graduate, your college, um, you know, uh, student, to avoid making the same mistakes he did as a college freshman. For him, it's personal. He um, he actually signed up for a credit card when he started college, and six months um, into it, he had $25,000 of credit card debt. And by the time he was 19, he had lost his uh, college scholarship. He had been kicked out of school, and he was actually living out of his car. Ouch. So pretty, pretty Ouch. powerful story. And He's hit rock, he hit rock bottom, and he knew it was time for a change. And you know, since then, Anthony has dedicated his life's work to helping students make good decisions with their money, relationships, and also education. And so he does work for the Ramsey organization. And I've never met him personally. I've seen him out there quite a bit, but a pretty powerful story. Yeah, that's a really powerful story. So we have five financial tips here for high school graduates um, and the first step, you know, to succeeding in college is learning how to make good money decisions. You know, one financial mistake as a college freshman can hurt your wallet for years. So here are five financial tips for high school graduates to thrive in college. And the first one here, John, is a little bit counterintuitive because everybody thinks this is the norm. But the first tip is to avoid student loans. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, you know, who could go to college without student loans? I know it, it sounds crazy. Yes, maybe you have to have loans, but they have to be kept at a minimum, and you have to be very cognizant of how much you're building up in student loans. You know, I just the other day, I saw somebody that uh, we were sitting down with, and their student loans were like $175,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a phenomenal amount for somebody that gets out of college. You're going to be paying that for when you're your 35, 40 years mm-hmm. old, you'll still be paying on that $175,000. You cannot let it get that out of control. You know, you have to take every tool available to keep it at a minimum. And if, and if at all possible, avoid student loans altogether. But yeah, outland, outland, outstanding student loan debt in America currently stands at about $1.4 trillion. I mean, that's phenomenal. <clears throat> that is... That is like a tenth of our entire national debt. Um, the, it's a big number. Yeah, the average student loan debt per per person coming out is about $37,000. So there's some people that do graduate right. with none, which means a right. lot of people are much higher than that. 
Yeah, you got to be average or below. You can't let yourself get up there in that crazy range where it's way more than a car and, and you're just going to be paying on it forever. Um, the bottom line here is simple. You know, paying back student loans always takes longer than you think. It costs more than you want to spend. You know, students have to avoid loans at all costs. Um, so don't you wish somebody had shared that insight with you whenever, whenever you were in college? You know, make sure you avoid student loans and, um, you know, go locally for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the money, you should not be going off to college. You need to go a couple of years, get your basics under you where you can live at home and save that money. And then you can go off to college, but do it very judiciously. Be very careful and only take out the loans that you need. Um, but, yeah, this College Survival Guide, you know, includes some stories about that and some very practical advice. Yeah, Matthew and I have done some some studies and some stats on this, and that $37,000, most of it's paid back in, in at least 10 years, if not more. <clears throat> if you would have taken that payment, which was $400 a month for 10 years, put it into a Roth IRA for those 10 years and then never put any more in it for the next 30 years, you would have about $1.1 million. So there you go. I mean, you're, you're you know, almost your entire retirement could be set up by avoiding that student loan. Yeah, it's big. The power of that money, you know, that you have to pay as soon as you get out of college is huge in retirement. Yeah, it's the compounding effect. Exactly. So the second one here on the list is avoid credit cards. Despite what the credit card companies often tell new campus arrivals every fall, there's really no such thing as a free pizza or a free T-shirt or really a free anything. For hungry college students, the offer of a free gift in exchange for a credit card application can be enticing, but but no freebie is worth signing up for a debt trap. And um, this graduate survival guide that they've uh, Anthony O'Neill and uh, Rachel Cruz have, have put out there, it shares some of the facts about credit cards, dispelling not only the free gift myth, but also many others that could trap students in cycles of debt. So you want to make sure you have that conversation with your high school um, you know, student as they go in. Just don't get the free T-shirt. Exactly. Yeah, don't do that. And, you know, that just goes along with the next one, and that is making smart financial choices in general. I mean, every young person, especially every college student, has to learn this, you know, and, you know, what you do today will impact your tomorrow. So you have to make sure you're making smart financial choices. Choices, And that's why it's so important for young people to have the tools they need to make smart financial choices. I mean, for instance, whenever you buy your books at college, you know, um, I know your inclination is to go to the bookstore and just buy everything brand new. But, I mean, anybody that's been to college for a couple of years will tell you, go to your class first. Mm-hmm. Don't buy your book before you go to class. Yeah, they may not even use it. They may not even need it. You know, the professor will tell you the real deal when you go to class and whether or not you need the book. And then you can, you know, and you probably have a week to get it. So, you know, or the professor may just do handouts anyway. So they, you got to figure out how to buy the book used or rent it or something. Um, just don't buy those books new. Um, but again, you know, you got to avoid the scams and all the kind of things, like you said, call it, uh, credit card applications that they try to, you know, pry, prey mm-hmm. on college students with. Exactly. Yeah. And another one here on the list is make a budget. You know, I'm talking about, you know, young, young people starting out. Rachel Cruz does a great job of making a budget. It's going to be very, very small. Um, you know, it doesn't take long for college freshmen to realize that they need a detailed plan to track, you know, all of their classes and deadlines and study sessions. 
but far too many students uh, fail to make a similar plan for the money. And, um, you know, it's really important that you um, start that process. You're going to be dealing with very small dollars. However, it's teaching you for when you get an, you know, an income on the other side of it that you're going to be making, you know, $30,000, $40,000 coming out. So start a budget. Exactly. Exactly. And then start saving money now. Um, again, I know it seems counterintuitive for somebody that just graduated from high school, but, you know, if you have income, you, you got to start saving money. You got to always save money when you have income. There's no getting around that. You have to build up an emergency fund. Many of tomorrow's millionaires are in college today, and when they hit seven figures, it probably won't be from winning the lottery or signing, you know, that long-term sports contract, you know. <laughs> yeah. Instead, it's going to be millionaire status through long and satisfying process of saving money over time. So that means you have to start as soon as you have income coming in, even in high school when you're working part-time. You got to save part of that money. You got to yeah. save part of every dollar you make. That's the key. You know, Chris Hogan has come out with a new book. It's called The Everyday Millionaire, and it's you know, you and I have talked about this for years on the on the show, and um, it just he goes through and talks about how normal everyday people are, are becoming millionaires by their financial habits. Some of it's automation, like we talked about, exactly. staying away from debt, yep. paying themselves first. So um, a lot of good resources at the Ramsey organization. Check them out. This uh, survival guide is um, for the graduate is a pretty good, pretty good deal. Yeah, it sounds like a great tool. So that leads up to our our final thing, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this has to do with um, uh, life insurance. Um, Just had a young couple that came in. um, Actually, talked to them last night on the phone, and um, they have uh, two times their salary that's being provided by their uh, company. It's group group insurance. So I recommended, and I actually did this personally many years ago, but instead of getting a group policy, it's pretty inexpensive when you start out, but it, it increases about every four years by 30 or 40%. So when you run the numbers over a 20-year period, it's significantly more expensive to have your insurance through a group policy versus going out and getting a term policy on the outside. Xander Insurance is a great uh, resource. We also have some other folks here locally that we work with on, on term insurance, but consider getting term insurance on the outside versus a group policy. Yeah, that's right. And along with that, you know, I mean, one important aspect of it is you lock in the price for 10, 20, 30 years. That's right. Um, you know, on a group term policy, you know, you're at the whim of the, the employer and mm-hmm. when they change it and it's a renew annual renewable term is what it is. And usually it's bracketed in five-year brackets. So every five years, your price goes up based on your age. Um, well, if you buy an outside group policy, an outside term policy yourself, then you're buying a 10, 20, or 30-year term policy, and it, it's in place, and it's locked in. The price is locked in until the end of that term. So if you need a certain amount of coverage till, you know, your kids go to college, um, buy your term policy that's, you know, 20, 30 years that covers that entire period and lock into that price today when you're healthy. And yes, it may cost you a little more today, but over the course of 20 years, you know, while you're working, it'll save significantly. It'll save significantly. Plus, you, it'll be in place even if you lose your job. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a real smart move. So do consider buying, you know, an individual term policy instead of your group term or at least augment it with one of those. So. Okay, and that brings us to a close for this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check our website, MoneyMD.net, and email us your questions at info at MoneyMD.net or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-2000. 
888-888-0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.